I'm Bruce Devereaux, and this is The Creatively Engaging. I'm just struck by what a consistent uh, human being he is with other human beings. You know, he's, he's present with people in a way that isn't showy or cause-driven or, you know, he didn't just arrive at this. This is something about him that is one of his greatest attributes. So welcome to my unexpected episode with independent Washington-based filmmaker Beth Harrington. Unexpected in the sense that I originally planned to interview Beth so that I could secure maybe one or two sound bites to use in my upcoming March podcast about the artist David Greenberger. That changed when I started to listen to the tape about Beth and I. It soon became obvious that Beth's long-time friendship with David and our in-progress documentary on David, Beyond the Duplex Planet, was greater than one or two soundbites. The discussion we had builds a great foundation to understand who David is as a person and as an artist. Beth talking about David not only gives me the opportunity to shine a pre-light on David's upcoming March episode, but it also gives me the opportunity to introduce my April guest, who will be Beth Harrington, whose most recent documentary, The Winding Stream, The Carters, The Caches, and The Course of Country Music, is outstanding. So Beth, how did you and David first connect? I don't remember the exact time, but I knew him um, when we were both right out of college and lived in Boston. We'd both wound up in Boston. I'm from Boston originally, so he was in art school and I, I had just graduated from Syracuse University and I was back in town and I lived in this Italian neighborhood in Boston and I was in the music scene. I was going to gigs and listening to bands and at some then at some point I joined a band and I was in a band and David was in a band and I don't even remember how, like, who introduced us, or it was probably through our friend, mutual friend Eddie Gordetsky. I, I think that might have been it. But early on, I realized David was doing this cool thing with Duplex Planet, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! I want to know this guy." So we'd hang up periodically. We weren't super, super close, but because David is such an incredible friend and an incredible correspondent, he actively stays in touch with so many people. And I'm the beneficiary of that too. I'm one of those people. So, I mean, I, I think of myself as a good friend. If somebody needed me, I would be there. And I, there are certain people in a circle that I have that I'm consistently in their lives. But David has figured out, it's great time investment. He has figured out how to stay in touch with all kinds of people from all walks of his life. Sometimes it's postcards and sometimes it's a call and sometimes it's a funny email and but he's consistently and I say this because I can see him doing it with other people and I even like people like my husband who he only knows through me but periodically 
Andy, my husband, who's a volcanologist, will get a postcard from David and it'll have a volcano on it, or it'll have some little reference to geophysics, or you know, and he will, and he's, it's something he does. It's just something he does, and it, and it's um, it's what makes what he does in his creative life uh, so organic. Uh, he doesn't make a big show of it. You know, I've never heard him say, I'm a people person. <laughs> well, you know, he's, he doesn't do that, but he just organically interacts with other human beings. And if he's met you, he stays in touch with you, it seems, you know. As a friend of David's, watching his work evolve, when did you come to the point that you decided, I'm going to launch a Kickstarter campaign to do a documentary about David? you know, knew I wanted to do the film. I'd been working on it for, you know, chipping away at it at the beginning. So I had tried to do some grant writing around it. But I realized these days in filmmaking, if you don't have at least a demo of some sort, it's almost impossible to get a funder to pay attention to your project. They just, truly, it's just, if you can present them with something visual, it's much more impactful and so I knew I had to do that, and I um, had not been successful at that up to that point getting money any other way. So I did a Kickstarter campaign. I've done them before for other film projects. The immediacy of that project was that David was doing had done a residency at an art center in Santa Ana, California. The residency was going to culminate a year later in a performance, you know, a revisiting of Santa Ana. And I thought, well, that's something I should go and shoot. So I had a little bit of audio from when he was doing the residency. And then I went back with a crew and we shot the performances and we interviewed the people who are now, of course, documented on this CD and perform. One of them even got up and did a piece with David on stage. So it was, it seemed like the right time to go back and do that. So I needed to raise money and four days in Santa Ana, I needed to raise a certain amount of money. So I just went and did it and it worked. So, <laughs> When you mentioned that an individual got up and performed on the stage, was that the piece so beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was interesting because when I was listening to the, the CD, David sent me a, a copy of it. One, I couldn't believe there was 60 tracks on it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but as I was listening to it, the piece so beautiful stood out to me because all of a sudden I could hear another person's voice. Um, a lot of David's work has solely been his voice speaking. So that one really just uh, jumped out at me off, off the CD. So what was that experience like when you mentioned you filmed that? Was that going to be part of the documentary? It is an outlier as far as David's work. I think I will... I mean, there's so much he does that's shifting too now. I, there are different ways he's working that are shifting. So I think when we shot that, the thought was, oh, this is cool, but it needs to be in the context of the, the understanding that mostly David does this stuff himself. Jose, who was the, the man who was on that track, was just delightful. We'd met him and I was like, oh, we, we've got to film Jose. We've got to film Jose talking about David. It was just a lovely moment seeing him up there with David and David escorting him onto the stage and giving him the spotlight. Even if you don't know the meaning, you can feel it. It happened to me. I was singing for a bunch of people here at the senior center and the people started crying, but they didn't know the meaning of the song. They don't know the meaning. 
The first time I heard Ben Gawan so low, it happened to me too. It's so beautiful. And, you know, it's about music. It's about how music touches us. And, of course, for me, that's an important theme, and I know it's an important theme for David. David has no shortage of content to draw from. His writings, his interviews, his artwork, his audio, <laughs> his video that he's done throughout his career. So how do you decide on what to use for this film? It's killing me. I, I mean, that, I mean, David's CDs and back issues of Duplex Planet, the answering machine tapes and uh, all kinds of ephemera. It is daunting. I have to say, it's one of the biggest things that's kind of slowing me down. That and, of course, money. But that's how independent filmmaking always goes. Um, you know, uh, it's really that there's so much. You could tell the story a million ways. So it's a little, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. It's a great problem to have. I mean, the, usually the problem is you're grasping for these kinds of examples of somebody's work even even you know great artists you, sometimes you're you're lacking for examples of their voice examples of their work examples of of you know their interaction with other people i have all of that <laughs> he's constantly creating too it's not this isn't like a fixed thing where i'm just looking back on a certain amount of time he's still going and so i'm like it's like a moving target like can you just stop creating for a little while so i can catch up because <laughs> there's a lot one of the things that really just impressed me about David was I've been working in aging care for 30 years, and David's been doing this type of creative work with people for 40 years, and how he has been able to maintain this level of energy, this level of engagement, this level of humility and respect for the people that he's interviewing. When you look at really early footage of him interviewing a person, he carries the same energy from that point to now. There's not this jaded or, yeah, come on, give me the story, right? I need to get another story out here. I got to get a track done. It's it, there's there's just seems to be that constant. I, I don't know how you, how you can do that. Like, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, I, I think, I mean, it's just because it, it's organic to him. I mean, that's who he is. I also think he, as much as he considers himself an artist, which I agree with that label, I think that's the best label for him. You know, a lot of creative people I know talk about their art practice or, you know, like I'm going in now to do my art, you know, and then art happens, right? But with David, it's, um, I just keep coming back to the word organic. You know, he, he's a creative person. One of my favorite hours I've spent doing this project was with David's sister, Jan, who had brought to an interview a box full of things that David had sent her over the years 
as a teenager through college, way before he was doing Duplex Planet. And the stuff was just um, remarkable. He's just a creative force, but he it's, it's not like a deliberate conscious thing. I mean, he's I, I, as an adult now, I know he knows he does art. For his life was always full of these projects. You know, I'm going to, my sister sent me a book that I've read and enjoyed. Now I'm going to send her a thank you note. The thank you note is going to be a different piece of the message written on every page of the book, and I'm going to send it back to her. <laughs> Dear Jan, thank you so much for that. It's, it's that that's like a little snapshot, one thing that he does in everything he does. Postcards and calendars and music and He's a creative person. <laughs> it's interesting, too, in your film, The Winding Stream, you weave together the narrative of the Carters and the Caches and how those around them played a guiding role to shape how we see country music today. Like, for me, that was a really interesting journey, watching that process evolve. I just love the synchronicity of, of the pieces and how this person connected, and you think if they didn't go there because of the flat tire, you know, would this have all changed? And showing how you move uh, the move from old time music to what we know today as being country music, you know, the beautiful creation of American history, of, of music and, and, and culture. I'm wondering if you see any parallels with David's work in the sense that will we look upon his work in the future in his context of spoken word, his understanding of aging, uh, the power of the arts to share a dimension of aging to a broader audience and, and as a form of storytelling and story creation. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, as well, we were saying it earlier, you know, there's no lack of content with David. He's been doing this since the late seventies at this point, in our lives, that's a really long time to be documenting some aspects of American culture. I think when you look at certain phases of the work, certain things leap out. I think some of his most interesting work may be something that historians could look back on and be intrigued by, not just the representation of aging at this time and in the culture, but also his work around the pandemic. He and his collaborator, Tyson Rogers, made 151 pieces of audio over 151 days in 2020. And he did it by phone. He did the interviewing by phone because, of course, nobody's going out. And he interviewed both people he knew and people he didn't know by just kind of reaching out through various connections. And that body of work, you can listen to the whole thing. They're all the thing about it is the pieces are only like a minute or two long at the most. Most of them are, are under under a minute. To catch the world, or at least the United States, at that moment where people are inside talking about their lives. And it's not on the nose. It's not about COVID. It's about people continuing their lives while something swirls around in the outside world. 
it's incredibly powerful. And it, it just seems to me that I, as a historian, someone who's interested in history, looking at that, listening to that and going back, you know, if you 50 years from now, somebody finding that and going, Oh my God, listen to this. This is this time capsule of people talking about daily life. I mean, this is what social historians are always trying to get at, right? We know about the famous people. The famous people are doing X, Y, and Z, but what about every man? What, what's every man doing in this time period? And David did that, especially with this body of work. It's called Everybody's Home. And, and it's great. And um, it's all on Bandcamp. And it's, it just, it's everything from, oh, yeah, I just retired and I'm sitting on my porch, but there's nobody out here. And I think the whole world has retired, you know, or I mean, some of it, I'm on a couple of them. One of them's we went camping. We made s'mores. I'm ecstatic. You know, like <laughs> it's just these little, they're little shorts. Yeah, they're little shorts. Campground in Maine holding a pole while my father was messing with lines for the tent, trying to make it all work used to make me anxious back then. Now I feel like having an opportunity to escape from your own head while we're mostly on our own indoors is important. And we make s'mores. Sitting around making s'mores, that's not a bad thing. When else do you have an excuse to toast marshmallow and squish it between chocolate and graham crackers? Forget about s'mores ice cream. I don't go in for anything but the real thing. You can eat a few of those and you're all sugared up run around in the woods. It was good. It was really good. S'mores and fresh air. So, I mean, that's a really exaggerated example of what he's been doing over the long haul anyway, right? The sort of imposition of COVID has made it a a chunk of it unto itself, right? As a piece of history. He's been doing that all along. Um, and the more you step back from it, the more you can see, oh, wow. I'm intrigued by the fact, and you would like, know more about this than I would, the whole aging care thing. David was doing things in the duplex planet as the activities director that he couldn't do today. He'd tell the owner of the mom and pop you know, uh, nursing home, yeah, you know, Ken and I are going to go listen to music and they go out and go to a club. <laughs> you know, the corporate, corporate aging, oh, the liability issues. We can't let so-and-so go out with so-and-so. What will the people think? You know, David interacted with those men in a completely different way than you could do today. And he, of course, took great advantage of it. And I, I would argue enhanced their lives, enhanced our lives by learning what it was that they were reacting to, you know, hearing these stories about Ernie and Arthur and Ken and all these guys that we've come to know as individuals because of David, you know? So I think that's an interesting snapshot in itself, that, that world of, of uh, nursing home care that doesn't exist now. That's a fascinating point when we think of it in the context of the history of nursing homes. I had not thought of that angle before. Hmm. David is a skilled and creative individual in many, many ways. But what do you feel is a characteristic that sets him apart in the work that he does? 
Well, he's, he's an excellent listener. You know, he remembers things and, and picks up on things in conversation that I think a lot of people don't have. I mean, I, I, I do this for a living and I am super impressed by how he approaches things because I know how hard it is to really lock into what someone's trying to tell you. David seems to just go, he goes where pe- other people are going. He doesn't come in with an agenda. It's very powerful what he's able to, he, he makes people so comfortable that he's been able to get great stuff. And he's, and he's not like a glad handing kind of guy. There's a certain level of um, sort of, he's very mannerly and very, which is a phrase that someone used about Johnny Cash, by the way, <laughs> but it is a good word. He's mannerly. And so people feel, I think, feel taken care of when they're talking to him. And, and, but he's not uh, formal. Hmm. You can definitely see that and feel that in David's ability to connect so quickly with others. Now, down the road, when you release your documentary Beyond the Duplex Planet, what are you hoping that audiences will take away after viewing your film? That's an excellent question. I really want people to understand this thing that we're talking about, about David, that there, there, are, there are artists who can't not create, that David is one of those people. And his chosen medium, or media, tells stories about us and tells stories about how we connect to each other. I think he's, I think in these troubled times we live in, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a guy who could be, I'm sure he'd hate to be considered a role model or anything, but, you know, he's kind of a beacon on how you could just listen to somebody. You know, David and I have had conversations in the last four or five years, especially where, because I know him, I think I know where I find myself jumping to conclusions about what I think David is going to tell me about something. And then it's very different and it's great. You know, it's, it's, uh, and he's not like being a contrarian or trying to disabuse me of something. He's just looked at something very differently and said, you know, and he lays it out. I'm like, right. Oh, he's right about that. You know, or, and it, it isn't to be right. It's just to present a view that, you know, I think we we're in our, obviously we're in our own echo chambers with people who think like us and talk like us. And, and I feel personally like I get out in the world a lot, not the last couple of years, but in general, <laughs> I've been all over, certainly all over the United States talking to lots of people who aren't like me, but you know, you can fall into your own patterns and your own belief systems and the people that you hang with. And you can hear your, your ideas reflected back to you from people that you like. And I, I really like David and he'll say stuff. I'm like, huh, great way to think about that, David. Uh, He's just very surprising. So I I think it, 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 you know, I've said that facetiously in these troubled times, but really, you know, it wouldn't hurt for any of us to think about how much we, you know, the received information of our tribes 
<laughs> affects how we think about things. And he's a great example of not going there, you know. Well, Beth, it's been a, a pleasure meeting and chatting with you today. Thank you very much. And in closing, anything else that you would like to share about David? I'm also struck by how David is with family. And again, not, it's not a big showy thing, but he's very, very engaged with his family. You know, he was a single dad for a really long time. You know, his daughter's amazing. And now he's a grandfather, <clears throat> which just happened in the last couple of years. And he's, I, when I see little videos that he or his wife, Barbara, send me of their granddaughter, and particularly with David and their granddaughter, Ray, it's just charming to see that play out. Hope to get more of that in the film that we're doing. But I, I, uh, I'm just struck by what a consistent uh, human being he is with other human beings. You know, he's he's present with people in a way that isn't showy or cause driven or, you know, he didn't just arrive at this. This is something about him that is one of his greatest attributes. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Beth and I look forward to you joining us on March 30th for the release of David Greenberger's podcast and come back again in late April for the release of Beth Harrington's podcast episode. So thank you and be well.